We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God our Creator, not our government. I believe that Scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you, and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Good morning. And just moments ago, the Senate has passed the controversial foreign aid bill sending billions to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. And so they passed a $95 billion national security supplemental package to assist Ukraine, Israel, and uh, the Indo-Pacific after a tedious procedural process that came to an end early Tuesday morning, this coming from Fox News. The final vote was 70 to 29, with 22 Republicans, unfortunately, voting yes. And this also comes after House Speaker Mike Johnson released a statement late Monday night slamming the standalone $95 billion foreign aid package, saying that the Senate bill, quote unquote, failed to meet the moment. So joining me now to discuss where we go from here is our good friend, Congressman Bob Good. So uh, you're your thoughts on this uh, national security supplemental package? Good morning, Jenna. Great to be with you. And thanks for having me again. Well, I'm encouraged by the speaker's remarks from yesterday, where he said, you know, that this essentially this bill was dead on arrival in the House. He is holding his ground, seemingly at least as far as the rhetoric goes. I urged my some of my colleagues yesterday. We've got to help him hold the line. We've got to let him know we've got his back. We've got to let him know we're resolved to stand with him. We don't have the $100 billion uh, to send anywhere. We shouldn't be borrowing that from our kids and our grandkids, no matter how virtuous or noble or meritorious we might think, whatever policy it might be, let alone the division that we have in the Republican Party with respect to Ukraine aid. And I don't support further Ukraine aid, as I think that you know. But the makeup of the package, I mean, it's $9 billion for uh, for Gaza, and uh, you know, does Israel want us to send nine billion dollars into Gaza, for example, while they are trying to rid Gaza of Hamas? Do we have any reason to believe that Hamas would not control that? Would not eventually that would get to Hamas? Uh, just as an example, but we don't have the hundred billion dollars. Number one, and number two, Speaker Johnson appropriately has said since he's become Speaker over these past nearly four months that. If anything, we would utilize the, the Senate and the Democrats and some Republicans, you know, insatiable desire to get more money to Ukraine as leverage to force them to secure the border, not to do a phony Ukraine funding bill combined with an amnesty bill masquerading as a border security bill, the one that was defeated last week, the combined package, but real border security, which is H.R. 2, the House policy that's passed. And with enforcement mechanisms 
uh, metrics that would require the administration to actually execute the policies and reduce, demonstrate they're reducing the border flow before they got money that they were seeking for other purposes. Uh, so the raw politics of it, there, there may be some Republicans in the House who'd be willing to trade genuine, genuine border security demonstrated, enforced, actually being realized, again, H.R. 2 in place, uh, with, uh, with accountability, transparency, with respect to how Ukraine might, money might be used. Some Republicans would, would likely support that. And at least Johnson has said that that's the only way he would consider any support for Ukraine. That's not what the Senate passed last night, or early this morning, I should say. Right. And I mean, this doesn't include any border security provisions and uh, no offsets. And so for these 22 Republicans that are in the Senate and then some who may on uh, the GOP House side support this aid package that doesn't include really anything that Republicans are are, uh, considering, what really is, is the benefit here? I mean, it seems like this is a huge win for Democrats where Republicans got nothing. Well, and Mitch McConnell said the quiet part out loud a day or two ago where he said, hey, a lot of this money is just going to go to our own defense contractors. So the American people are borrowing essentially what they voted for anyway, borrowing from kids and grandkids, further exacerbating our exploding, untenable, uh, unsustainable debt situation to enrich our own defense contractors. Uh, and 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 that's the funnel through which money would eventually get sent to Ukraine. Uh, and, and I was watching, as I'm flipping through the news channels this morning, uh, early during my workout time, I'm watching some of the largest so-called conservative networks uh, taking essentially the Democrat side, essentially the McConnell side, and saying, well, the House had the chance for border security last week, and they turned it down. That was not border security. It's not border security when it doesn't require deportation, when it doesn't require uh individuals be turned away and it, it doesn't require unless there's 5,000 a day for seven days in a row and then the president had parole authority and emergency authority even beyond that uh, I could go on and on about why that bill was not border security so it's really disappointing to have those who make a living off pretending to be conservatives uh, you know spouse the so-called virtues of that bill and, and blame House Republicans and Senate Republicans for not taking what was never a border security bill last week yeah, and, and I couldn't agree more that there are so many of so-called conservative media outlets that are simply um, mouthpieces for the RNC or for the GOP establishment, and they they won't directly criticize uh, some of the harms, and they won't directly look at these issues as you and I are doing right now, and this is why I so appreciate your analysis always, uh, Representative Bob Good. And so, um, so t- you know, to a lot of people that are willing to look at the facts, it seems like all all of this money that is going to Ukraine just seems like a giant money laundering operation. I mean, we're not seeing anything that is a result from funding Ukraine. Um, we don't even see really any kind of footage coming out from this so-called war. There's nothing that America has at least set as as our principles and goals of supporting this conflict. Um, so why are so many Republicans supporting Ukraine still in, in terms of funding this conflict instead of border security? You know, it's hard to assign the motives to that. Um, I, you know, I, I can just say for me, it's, again, our fiscal situation so that we can respond to true 
crises that uh, impact or threaten our national security in the future, if we continue to borrow and print money and further exacerbate our debt situation, we make it impossible for us to respond to true crises in the future. And the analogy would be if we had a major conflict that threatened our national security, we would be going into that conflict with the level of debt to our gross domestic product GDP that we came out of World War II with. So our debt today is at the level compared to our economy that it was after World War II. And we have nothing to show for it, no no reason to point to why we'd have that level of debt. So first of all, we've got to start with our debt situation and not not continue to exacerbate it with the borrowing and the spending. Secondly, our direct national security interest, what's in the best interest of the United States? And uh, I've not heard the case effectively made how uh, us borrowing and sending money over Ukraine is in our direct national security interest. I don't know what the end game is. I don't know what the limit of U.S. involvement is. I don't know what the exit strategy is. I don't know, haven't seen the transparency and accountability for the $113 billion that have already been sent. Ukraine is not a democracy. Ukraine uh, does suppress freedoms over there that we uh, value here in the United States. Uh, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, and these are going to be border countries for hundreds of years going forward. And so uh, that's why I certainly don't support us borrowing more money to send overseas to Ukraine, especially with our debt situation and especially with our own border security and the weakness of our own military under this administration. And Senator Rand Paul was on uh, Fox Business yesterday saying that it's actually criminal neglect to send money rather than securing our own borders. I want to play this clip uh, real quick. This is cut two. You know, I would say it's criminal neglect for Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden to get together to send $100 billion overseas to fix someone else's border before addressing our border. We have an emergency. We have an invasion. We have 700,000 people came across in the last two months, and they're willing just to punt on that. You know, they put forward a fake proposal. It wasn't any good. We shot it down. But that doesn't mean we're ready to give up on it. Many of us want to fight. 32 of us out of 48. Three-fourths of us said we wanted to keep fighting. We want to actually fix the border before we ship $100 billion of our money overseas. I meet no one in Kentucky, no conservatives across the land that are for this. But the leadership of the Senate under Mitch McConnell is more concerned with sending your money to Ukraine than they are with the invasion of the southern border. And I've had enough. I'm going to do everything in my power to slow down and stop this. And I told them they can vote when hell freezes over, Mm. because, frankly, this isn't in the best interest of our country. The money has to be borrowed. We don't have $100 billion sitting around. We borrow $1.5 trillion, and they're going to borrow another $100 billion. So essentially, we ask China for money to send it to Ukraine. It makes us weaker. It's bad for our country. Mitch McConnell, Joe Biden, and Chuck Schumer are wrong on this, and I'm going to do everything I can to slow them down at the very least. And possibly there'll be enough of an uprising of people calling in and saying, Mitch McConnell, Who are you? Do you represent the Republicans? Do you represent conservatives? Mm. Are you in lockstep with Chuck Schumer? So Rand Paul uh, raises a really good point there that uh, this is not reflective of the broader constituency. And obviously there weren't enough uh, either people who called in or uh, enough that he could do to slow this down or at least stop it. So on the House side, uh, even though the speaker said this is dead on arrival, you know, we know how politics works. There's a slim majority uh, in the House. Um, 
is it helpful for listeners who are concerned about this and constituents to call in and and tell their representatives, uh, Representative Bob Good, that this is something that we don't agree with and that we need to protect our border before sending billions of dollars that we don't have to foreign countries? Yes, and what a contrast in the very same state of Kentucky to have Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul uh, representing the, that state. There couldn't be more disparate members of that Republican Senate than those two. And I guess Mitch McConnell knows he's on his way out the door at some point, and this is kind of one of those final things that he wants to be part of his legacy. But hopefully Rand Paul, like-minded people, will prevail. And he's right. We are derelict on our number one responsibility to keep the United States safe and secure. That's our number one responsibility as federal representatives. And Speaker Johnson should do one of two things, in my view. Resend back to the to the Senate uh, H.R. 2 with Israel support attached and paid for and make the Senate vote on that or turn that down and expose who they are. And then finally, when we get to this expending battle again at the end of February, we get moving to March when the funding of the government expires, we should attach HR2 to our spending bills and make them secure the border in order to get the funding that they want. That's called leverage, and the House should stand strong behind him in doing that. And Rand Paul is exactly right. We are remiss in our responsibility to keep this nation safe and secure, which is a number one responsibility of the federal government. And so, yes, everyone out there that has a Republican representative in particular, senator and or Congress member, needs to make their voices heard that they don't want them to support this package. They want our border secure. They don't want us to borrow from our kids and our grandkids. Rand Paul is exactly right. And in just about the last minute I have with you, Representative Bob Good, um, comment, if you would, as well on uh, Joe Biden and all of this with the special counsel's report mm-hmm. coming out and yeah. uh, his comments. I mean, it, th- this is just so embarrassing that we have a leader that clearly doesn't have the capacity to lead. Yes, devastating report by the special counsel uh, working under the Merrick Garland regime here that said, hey, you got two choices, either charge this guy because he's guilty of mishandling his classified documents after he attacked President Trump for, for allegedly doing so. And he did a far worse, far more examples of that. Or instead of charging him, acknowledge that he's not capable or competent to stand trial. He wouldn't be convicted because he'd be a sympathetic elderly man with a poor memory. What a devastating report. And I join uh, Chairman uh, Comer, Chairman Jordan, Chairman uh, Smith, who are calling for the release of the transcripts of this uh, interview, this interrogation, so we can see for ourselves uh, the president's capacity, as well as if he, there was uh, information in there that would be valuable to their impeachment inquiry to, to move forward as it relates to the president's uh, overseas business activities and, and how it might have influenced his policy with these foreign countries. Yeah, and I hope that they get those transcripts as well. And I have always personally uh, been in a, a an advocate for impeachment of Biden over someone like Mayorkas because Biden would just replace Mayorkas with somebody That's just right. as derelict. And uh, we need to go right. for, for the top. And so, uh, Congressman Bob Good, always appreciate you so much. We are praying for you. We appreciate the work of true conservatism that you do on Capitol Hill. Thank you, as always, for joining us. And we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. If 
you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And as all of these crazy things are happening on Capitol Hill, and we are seeing that uh, most of our federal representatives don't care about securing our border and uh, do care about sending money we don't have to foreign countries uh, rather than protecting our own people and our own interests, uh, we now turn to the cultural war that has been going on uh, for quite a while, but is continuing uh, to just rampantly accelerate. And a number of things uh, happened in the news um, yesterday and over the weekend that I think are just uh, snapshots of exactly where we're at in this uh, culture war with the rise of the LGBTQ agenda that is not just a, hey, tolerate us. It is bow down to us or we will inflict pain on you through law, through action, and through even now a, a transgender uh, shooter that went into Joel Osteen's church this past Sunday. So uh, Iowa is trying to do something about it. And of course, activists protested uh, Kim Reynolds' bill that tries simply to define male and female in the Iowa code. And this is somehow totally erasing transgenders. Uh, and we also saw that uh, the the DMV in Florida now, you have to have male and female. And there were these ridiculous protests that said uh, that Governor DeSantis was, was literally killing transgender people because now they have to actually identify with a the gender that that is their biology. And this just shows, again, how pervasive this agenda has become because it's not about tolerance. It's about absolute acquiescence to their power and their control. So joining me now to talk about all this and more is someone much more prolific than me, um, our good friend Steve Dace from Blaze TV. And Steve, um, you went on a rant um, on your show yesterday that I listened to. It was profound. It was preaching. It was right on. Talking also about the He Gets Us commercial that aired uh, during the Super Bowl. And you made this point that that commercial, because of how many people watch the Super Bowl, that is the snapshot of the person of Jesus, which was totally false, that more people will see this year than hear anything else from any other Christian source. And it was so heretical. And and so this is the contrast between what Christians are, are doing, which is almost nothing. We've, we've caved as churches. 
um, and, and putting up this false notion of Jesus versus the LGBTQ activists that are literally trying to ram this down our throats. So you're, where, where do you want to start? <laughs> I really think, Jenna, we should start with what happened at Lakewood Church as, as that narrative continues to unravel. Because I, I think it's the most important story that has occurred this year and is likely to be the most important story that will occur this year. Because it, I think it, it touches on, it's the embodiment, it's a microcosm of an entire listless generation of, um, of, of the American church. And it's, and it's declining, but by choice. It, it, it abrogated. It wasn't defeated. Um, it didn't face, you know, the Islamic hordes that the Christian churches in Cappadocia or Asia Minor faced in antiquity. Um, it, it, it didn't face it didn't it didn't face the rise of a Third Reich uh, that the churches in Europe faced. It it just quit. I mean, it just it just decided, ah, we're done. It's too hard. We don't want to do this anymore. And and it and over the last generation, um, it has sought after cultural affirmation. It has uh, sought after cultural accommodation. It's offered a false choice uh, between some of our brethren who have decided that um, um, we bring Jesus back by becoming mascots for the Republican Party, and anything the Republican Party conjures up is instantly good and deemed righteousness by the fact that you won a Republican primary. And Abraham won a Republican primary, Jenna. It was credited to him righteousness. There, there is a group of our of people on our side that do behave this way, but they're not legion. They're not the majority. And so in opposition to this, another group emerged that said, hey, the path forward is a false choice. Um, instead of, you know, abandoning the narrow road one way, let's abandon it the other way. Let's be nice to everybody. Let's make a crap ton of money. Let's make a bunch of people wealthy and promise them if they give us money, they'll get wealthy too somehow. And the face of this, and the most, I guess you'll call it, successful embodiment of this is Joel Osteen. This is the largest congregation in America in Houston, Texas. He's been on Oprah. He has his own channel on Sirius XM. His church just paid off a $100 million loan, and I have no idea why any church would ever need such a thing. And so they, he's talking, I don't preach about sin. I want to make everybody happy. I mean, this is his message. His, he has preached the gospel of Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy, for a generation. He has, he has given, him and his congregation has given this culture everything it wants. When they elected their first lesbian mayor in Houston a decade ago, he went to her uh, swearing in and blessed her. When she then turned around and tried to tranny the bathrooms in that city, um, he said nothing. When she put it up, when it was put up for a citywide ordinance, she lost by 30 points. He didn't speak out. Um, when his fellow pastors uh, when she tried to subpoena and go after their pastor notes and find examples of hate speech or of them violating their nonprofit status, he didn't defend anyone or use his massive platform to defend the smaller churches in that community who took a stand. That scene, by the way, was, is, was inspired by a similar scene in God's Not Dead. It came right out of that story, right? Nothing. He said nothing. While the, while the brethren were slandered, he said nothing. He just he climbed the social ladder higher and higher and higher, was more successful, found some way to, to in between ministering to the millions to get washboard abs. He did everything that the spirit of the age said a Christian minister must do to, to merit its approval. And how was he repaid in the end? 
uh, an illegal alien armed, ironically enough, with an AR-15, um, with, and, uh, who is gender dysphoric insane, went into his church with the intent of massacring as many people as she could. That was his potter's field. He received his reward in full. And I think that, to me, is the message here of the year. It's it, it, everything that we want to complain about, everything we want to point out, everything we want to say has gone wrong in this culture. It all stems from the fact that this is not the church of Jacob in America. We are not wrestling with God in our, in our own imperfections. Um, we're, not, we're not even contending for the faith, to quote the New Testament with Jude. We are the church of Esau. Give us the engagement. Give us the mansion. Give us the, the acclaim. Give us the affirmation, and we'll give it right back to you. And we just, want, we just want a bowl of porridge, and we have sold a stew. We have sold our birthright, and this country's gone to literal hell as a result. No, no ideology stepped in. No, nobody stepped in and said, hey, you guys were wrong, and we've defeated you in the arena of ideas. The church just quit. It just quit. It just said, oh, it's too hard. And just quit. And all we're seeing now is nature abhorring a vacuum. And the greatest sign of this, and maybe the, the ultimate sign of the times in the years I've been doing this full time, is what, has just, what was just attempted at Lakewood Church. They gave this world, they gave the enemy everything he's ever wanted from a so-called Christian church. And how were they repaid? With, with an almost massacre. That from a, from a, a deranged person who symbolizes every, on every front, open borders, rainbow jihad, I mean, even, even brandishing the, the AR-15 that most Americans don't know what it is, except if MSNBC is obsessed with this one particular gun. I mean, you couldn't, if you were a demon in hell, you couldn't have drawn this up better. And, and you know what? That's why they drew it up, I'm convinced. And I hope everybody within the sound of my voice, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. You will gain nothing. They will give you nothing. You give them everything they want, make every accommodation. Donald Trump made every accommodation they wanted from March 16, 2020 on. He ran from the riots. He ran from the virus. He abdicated his presidency. What did they do? They turned around and sold and stole the dang election from him in broad daylight. You'll get nothing from these people. You'll get nothing from this spirit of the age. You'll get nothing, no matter how long you acquiesce, no matter how many times you bend the knee, you'll get nothing. And the, he gets those campaign people, they'll get nothing, too. Preach it, brother. And uh, this is so true that you can never give Satan enough to satisfy him. And Christians can never be appeasing of evil enough to satisfy the demonic spirit of the age. And yet we see that churches have acquiesced to this because in exchange for acquiescing to evil, we have received comfort and glamour and follows and celebrity and you know these mega churches and everything that Joel Osteen and the prosperity gospel stands for. And this is why I'm also convinced that so many Christians are now turning to politics to be the salvation of our country. Unfortunately, instead of calling pastors and calling Christians to be the church, we are now almost abdicating that role, 
in civil society. And we're saying, okay, we need to take up then the mantle of hailing as our pastors and our spiritual leaders in the country, politicians. And I believe that is absolutely wrong. Your thoughts on that? Completely agree. This is another example where the church just quit. I mean, I, 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 I don't want pastors to get political. I want them to get prophetic. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need them to take a partisan stand. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mind if they do, if it's a prophetic one. But, you know, ultimately, the, the, we need Nathans. Who, you know, I, you know the, the guy that runs your ministry, I've known and liked and respected for many years, Tim Wildman. I mean, he's a conservative's conservative. I mean, if you're—I can just tell you, someone's been involved in Republican politics from grassroots to presidential campaigns. This AFA is an organization you want on your side. If I'm running for president, man, whether it was Tim or his recently passed Father Don, I, I'm not—I'm not running for president without checking that box and meeting those people. And yet, how did Tim use his access? You know, a, a, a last year, when a guy who was a pretty good president went to a, a, a Nevada State GOP event and just said a bunch of crude and profane things about another Christian and another conservative that just weren't even factually true, Tim called him out for it. Tim said, hey, like Nathan, thou art the man. That's not how we behave. That's why you're not president now. Stuff like that. That's what we actually need. Uh, we, we, we need people to be prophetic in the political space, not political in the political space. There's enough of that. Everybody, everybody's got, there's enough operatives and everything else. You know what people don't have enough of? Christians. Because we have the Spirit. That's what there's not enough of. Take it with you, man. And, 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 here's, and, if, and it's, 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 not about, it's not about the outcome. It's about the faithfulness. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. I mean, God, God used the crudest man in, the, in, 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 in modern political history to overturn Roe versus Wade. Not the nice Christian dude. George W. Bush, who had a great testimony about his, you know, overcoming alcoholism and knew Billy Graham. Now, he didn't have the stones to do it. The, the crude, profane dude on his third wife um, and, and the previous two that he, he met, but let's just say under questionable circumstances morally. Um, that guy, he overturned Roe versus Wade. It's, if we're faithful, then the names on the front of who wins these primaries, none of this stuff matters. This is the reason why we're declining on every front is because we have abdicated our obedience and faithfulness collectively as the church. That's why it's about the it's about the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back. And our temptation and, and is going to be the more we see the church continue to obviously decline in influence is to try to more and more use the political process, not as a means to an end. Um, in a, in, you know, for, for setting public policy and a very necessary one. I'm not telling anybody to abdicate this space. I've worked full-time in it for 17 years. I just testified at my state legislature yesterday. Okay, what I'm, what I'm saying is don't lose yourself to it. Don't, don't abdicate. Don't leave it. But don't lose yourself to it either. Right. And we need to identify first and foremost as Christians. I mean, if someone says, what, what is your identity? I would respond, my identity is in Christ. And, and that's it. And, and he is the one that determines 
my life, my ways, has given me immutable characteristics. He is the one that determines our gender. He is the one that determines all of that. And very, very, very secondarily to that, because it outflows from being a Christian and being in Christ, I am a conservative. And what that means is that I follow the Judeo-Christian worldview of government. But that doesn't mean that because I am a conservative, therefore I am a Republican and I'm partisan and I have to, uh, like the, the Chiefs versus the 49ers, I have to just just support my team because I want my team to win no matter what they do, if it's wrong or if it's bad. And we've become so hyper-partisan because of this continued cultural abdication of the church's role that we've replaced it with politics that we have often, Steve, I think primarily identified as hyper-partisan. And then we're just Christians in our churches, maybe, and in our homes, maybe, um, or potentially even just culturally. Couldn't say it better myself. Completely agree. And I, I think that, um, you know, when, when Jesus approaches Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the religious leaders come out and demand that he stop the crowds cheering, Hosanna, Hosanna, um, you know, son of David. Uh, and he, what does he say next? He says, I, I could command them to do that. But then these stones would cry out. Um you know, I'm doing Bible reading in a year for like the seventh time right now. And I just finished the story of Balaam, whose donkey, the Lord opens the mouth of his donkey to speak to him. It is, it is true that, that, that God can use anything for his purposes. But we often use that as an excuse to say, I don't have to be faithful to God because I can abandon all of my principles and everything he says is right and wrong, and I'm just so special and my cause is just so worthy that he'll overlook that and give me what I want. The Israelites thought that too, and every time they did, they were judged. God can work through anything he wants, but he, can, he will only work through us as his covenant people via our own faithfulness. And that should be our number one key. It's not about I have to be in the political or cultural arena. It's about why I have to be. It's an expression of my faithfulness. Uh, it is my desire to take the gospel and, and, and the abundant life that Christ offers to the literal ends of the earth to fulfill the Great Commission, even to the places and the points of great contention within the times in which I live. That's why. That's why. And here's the thing. The ironic thing is, if we do it for those reasons, God will then grant us Nebuchadnezzar's and other very pro Cyrus's, very profane, crude, problematic people, and he'll steer them to our, to, our, to, to, to our mission, because all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. If, it's, if it is perceived we are losing— it is not because the devil got smarter. It's not because he has dominion. It's because we're not faithful, and we've lost God's anointing. That's why. 
Yeah, it is all about faithfulness. And we see that throughout the Old and the New Testament. And when um, even the prophets, and, and I always think of Jeremiah, who didn't win a single convert in his entire ministry, but yet God called him faithful. Why? Because he did what God had called him to do for his life. And I believe, Steve, that there is a judgment on America. And it is because, not just because the, the Republican Party is derelict and, and we aren't electing the right people and we're divided or, you know, any of this hyper-partisan rhetoric. It is because the church has derelicted its duty to stand firm against all of the evil that has pervaded the church, the family, and now the civil government. And we are seeing in real time how the civil government, when it loses its expression of objective truth and morality, that the the entire society descends into chaos because we can't just go based on law. Law is a reflection of the morality of what the church and the family's influence is in society. And so, Steve, um, we're already out of time, but I so appreciate how much you are willing to preach on your show. You are willing to stand up for truth and to call Christians to do our duty, which is to be faithful first to God. We will be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. But after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on an ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn's Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Wow. Well, that will preach. And I love that my good friend Steve Dace preaches um, on, on his show. We need more of that. That is what I love about AFR and this network uh, as well, is that we are always coming from, first and foremost, a biblical Christian worldview of everything. And yes, we engage in political topics. We need to. Uh, Christians should not simply turn away from being engaged in civil society because it is so terrible uh, now. Uh, in fact, that's that was what caused all of the problems that we are now reaping because Christians abandoned our uh, definitions of biblical truth and of objective truth in law and government. And, and this is years and years and years ago uh, when we embraced the lies of the culture and the spirit of the age and allowed the version and perversion of that to then be reflected in our law and our ordinances. Now we are seeing 
how far off the rails this is going and how there is no satiability of evil. They, the devil will always want more and more and more until there is complete and total destruction. And this started um, all the way back. I mean, when we can always go back into world history, of course, to, to the very beginning, right? When, when um, evil uh, came into the, to um, the garden and when original sin happened and when the fall happened. I mean, we can go all the way back that far, right? But just for purposes of this conversation, we started out as a country with founders that maybe weren't perfect in their Christianity, they weren't perfect in their in their political views, uh, but certainly understood a perfect God, understood that it is God who is the author and creator of all things, and he gives us our rights, not our government. And government is after God endowing us our rights. So rights are therefore pre-political. Our rights as human beings made in God's image are all ours, regardless of what political system has been or will be or is currently today. Our rights are pre-political. So how did we get from a system of government that I am so grateful for here in America that still we have some vestiges of this, that we have our first freedoms, which is freedom of speech, freedom of association, free exercise of religion, freedom of the press to do exactly what I'm doing right now, which is to speak together about truth in media on a medium like radio. Uh, But we're rapidly losing these vestiges of of freedom and liberty. What should have been and what, what once was a protected right that is so intrinsic to our humanity that our founders deemed it inalienable. They said we can't even sell it or abridge it ourselves because it is so intrinsic to who we are as human beings that much less can a government system and a political system legitimately abridge that or infringe it, infringe upon it in our society. And, and yet we, we see that even our, our First Amendment, our Second Amendment, I mean, all of these rights that are, are merely reflected and, and enumerated in our Constitution, they don't come from the First or Second Amendment. One of the worst ways that, that Christians and conservatives can advocate for our rights is to say the First Amendment gives me the freedom of speech. No, it doesn't. If we didn't have a First Amendment, Congress still would have no power given to it by Article 1, Section 8, and those specifically enumerated uh, uh, provisions of subject matter that Congress can legislate on that could infringe on our liberties and our fundamental rights. Our entire Bill of Rights didn't give us anything. It's simply a redundancy protection to say, hey, Congress, just in case you weren't clear about your specific enumerated powers, we are going to tell you what you can't touch because these are rights that are so fundamental to a free and ordered society that is governed by morality and objective truth that we are going to specifically tell you these are the ones that you cannot touch. So what happened between a, a time of our founding that we codified into our highest law of the land these rights to a time where just last week, 
a, a DC court ruled that because of a negative critical blog post of 250 words, Mark Stein, who some of you will recognize as a, as a commentator, um, used to fill in for Rush Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson. He actually had to pay a $1 million defamation fine because the person he was criticizing didn't like it. That is ridiculous. That is completely antithetical to our First Amendment guarantee of our rights. What happened to where we we now see this bill in Iowa that simply wants to codify into the Iowa State Code the difference between men and women, male and female. And we see all these LGBTQ activists that are saying, you're going to erase us where we literally won't exist anymore. I mean, please. But, but they go and they're protesting and somehow tolerance and leftism has taught Christians that somehow we need to tolerate absolutely everything except truth in our society, except the principles of liberty and freedom, which enable us to exercise our rights. Because what good is it if the First Amendment and freedom of speech, free exercise of religion, all of that is textually in our Constitution, but we can't exercise it without fear of retribution and reprisal? This is exactly what is happening with all of the bar complaints that are being submitted against conservative and Christian lawyers across the country, including me. Um, I'm facing one in Colorado. I, I talked uh, with all of you on uh, on Thursday of last week or Friday about this, um, that I'm facing a, a bar complaint. And I appreciate everyone who has um, who's written in, sent encouragement. Um, a few of you have asked about um, helping uh, contribution-wise. You can. I still have givesendgo.com forward slash support Jenna. And I appreciate that so much because I'm trying to, to fundraise to fight this. Um, but even Glenn Beck's own attorneys, he said in a radio broadcast last week that his own attorneys, out of fear of bar complaints and uh, and an impact to their licensure, are now stopping to represent him. Why? Because he's a conservative and because he's speaking truth. So in order to exercise his conservative views, he no longer has the privilege of counsel. I mean, th- this is not what America was founded to be. But it all started not when the Republican Party lost its majority or and we have to somehow, the solution is to be a big tent and we just have to acquiesce to the log cabin Republicans and the, the pride coalitions and all of these other people because, hey, they're going to vote with us. What do you think their vote is going to be on the Iowa bill? What do you think their vote is going to be in uh, in Colorado during you know some, when when the Colorado Civil Rights uh, Commission, which is the modern day star chamber that put Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop through hell, when that comes up for refunding, do you think they're going to vote quote unquote conservative? Absolutely not. What good is it to be a big tent when we sacrifice our principles? I've started calling this moral gerrymandering where we are artificially redrawing the boundaries of biblical objective truth and conceding ground to carve out different sins and different points of of absolutely immoral conduct and worldview and belief systems so that we think we can still have a conservative majority. 
It's it's absolutely absurd logic. And this started all the way back, I mean, even, even before this culturally. But the first case that got to the Supreme Court was Griswold versus Connecticut in, in 1965. That was a key case where the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects the liberty of married couples to use contraceptives without government restriction. And this case was the first that started codifying the immorality of the sexual revolution. Because when we decoupled the idea of what human sexuality is in the context of marriage and in the context of family, and we started saying we can and we want the liberty, the so-called liberty, which really in this context is the licentiousness, to be able to merely seek pleasure. We want our law to reflect that. And we want to, under the guise of liberty, be able to do what the Bible forbids, but say that the government cannot restrict us from behaving immorally. It would be the same thing as if we wanted to say, well, we, we need to be able to codify the liberty of intentional murder or intentional rape. Some of these other things that are clearly wrong that the government restricts rightfully because it is against the moral truth of God. So the court, of course, understood in Griswold versus Connecticut that they had no actual power to to hold, uh, to make this holding and to even hear this case. They, there is nothing given to the federal government in terms of its limited enumerated powers that touch on human sexuality or uh, reproductive health care, if you want to use the leftist term for it, um, health care at all. None of those things are given to the federal government. And yet, the Supreme Court decided we are going to create this new doctrine, just like pastors do, when they want to teach something that's actually contrary to scripture, to the text, because the Constitution, like the Bible, is a written document. It wasn't inspired divinely like the Bible, but it's a written text that you can interpret in ways according to originalism, authorial intent. And when pastors want to teach something that is outside of the Bible, they create a new doctrine. I mean, this is where Joel Osteen gets the prosperity gospel. That's not anywhere in scripture, but he'll abuse and manipulate the text in order to get there. The Supreme Court did the very same thing in Griswold versus Connecticut by creating this doctrine called the penumbra doctrine that basically say our rights are not from God, our creator. They emanate from the lines between the text of the Constitution. Isn't that ridiculous? So so under the divination of the nine Supreme Court justices in robes, they can look between the lines of the text of the Constitution, say, here's a right that we want to bestow upon society. And now we have the power to determine when, where and how they can exercise that right under the auspices of liberty. Because it's not just about the constitutional text giving government limited powers. It's now the Constitution giving us our rights. This led to all of the terrible social issues opinions that led to Obergefell versus Hodges in 2015 that codified same-sex marriage. We have been enabling for decades the sexual revolution that has now been so pervasive in this country and the church is doing nothing about it. We can't just vote Republican. We have to be active in our churches. Get back to teaching the gospel of Christ.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.